Welcome back to the Ever Adaptive Podcast. I am your host, Becky Flowers, along here with my co-host, Sarah Budson. And we have our very first in-person guest today, Brendan Quisenberry. Brendan is one of the co-founders of the Transcend Foundation. And so we wanted to get him on for a while now and just talk about a little bit of his history and how the foundation kind of came about and just... I always have really great conversations with you and I love hearing your stories. So I would love to share the wealth and the knowledge with our audience. So welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me here, guys. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that there was a couple of things that you wanted to touch on just general questions because this is your first time meeting the two of you, but there are some similarities between your dad, right? Yes. So, yeah. So, well, first, it's nice to meet you. Kind <laughs> of just give us a little bit of a background of who you are outside of you can go into your military right now, but really, you're a dad of three, mm-hmm. um, married. Mm-hmm. You are a co founder of the Transcend Foundation. And what else? Uh, yeah, so I'm actually about to retire out of military service for 20 years, oh, and uh, so I have like I think five more months. So really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, about to retire out. Bulk of that time, I came in 2004, uh, went straight over to Iraq. Um, like I mean, literally had senior prom probably six months prior, and then I was like in the streets of Baghdad. Um, you know, kind of running and gunning and trying to figure it out as like an 18, 19 year old kid. So it, uh, you know. Your maturity level and reality really sits in pretty quick going from high school straight into that and then uh yeah came into the army as a 11 bravo infantryman originally did about eight and a half nine years um doing that with the 82nd airborne division 101st airborne division and then eventually i morphed over to um, special forces where the whole back half of my career about the last 12 years has been with uh, united states special forces and serving as a green beret um, 15 years active duty service uh, where I was full time, and then with Seven Special Forces Group, and in the last four years, I've been with Twentieth Special Forces Group National Guard. So still kind of, yeah. you know, doing my Green Beret thing on the weekend, but then kind of having a little bit more of a, you know, kind of a life on the on the side, I guess. And I'm sure we can dive a little bit deeper into why that was the case, because that's a big question. Why do people leave service after 15 years and not just stick it out the other five and, and get a full retirement package? But that's still eventually all came. Up you know, catching up to me eventually. So yeah, you know, we can probably dive into that a little bit later. But yeah, that's a little bit background of uh, of myself. Wow. Okay. So senior prom to Baghdad. <laughs> Pretty intense. Yeah. Can you just like go into a little bit of that mentality for you? Like, I mean, well, it, what, it, first, why did you even go into the military? Are you military family? Yeah, good question. So yeah, third generational um, family okay. member um, serving. My grandfather served, my dad served, uh, and then me as well. I think definitely no pressure there for my family. I never really felt obligated, like I, I had to go commit. Um, of course, a little bit of that patriotism and how I was raised kind of made me want to do that. But then also I was right around a, a junior in high school when the Twin Towers hit. And of course, at that point in time, I was already thinking about strongly going in, but that absolutely solidified my um, my ability to to volunteer and join the military and, and go serve fight for my country and all that so that was kind of really what launched it at that point in time so um 
which took me right into to basic training uh, into airborne school and then immediately uh, going to the 82nd Airborne Division and deploying straight over to Iraq within probably a, a eight, seven, eight month window of, you know, graduating senior prom, enjoying a little bit of the summer and then straight into all of that. So it was uh, kind of a, a huge culture shock, I guess you could say. To <laughs> say the least. Yeah, I mean, I was a, I was a, a little punk ass kid in high school get in trouble, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, smoked weed and stuff back in the day. And, and, you know, it was, uh, you know, I lived up my high school years for sure. I enjoyed it. Um, but I was definitely probably a little ass kid that needed some discipline for sure. So it was <laughs> one uh, way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was one way that really kind of straightened you out and yeah, just went into there and then, yeah, it hits you hard going into the discipline, the training, everything that goes into the military service, you know, and then straight into combat, let alone eight months later. And um, yeah, a lot of harsh realities set in with life, you know, and you kind of see the atrocities that are going on. You see a lot of crazy things from your, your what you were previously doing as a, you know, a punk ass kid running around partying and having fun to, you know, watching, you know, guys get shot and, you know, legs blown off and everything. So it was a, it was a, it was a hard wake up call, I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. say the least. Man, you got anything on that? I I mean, I guess so going from there, and if we can probably touch on what you said with the, okay, you went the 15, why not finish it out? And then kind of segue that into where things are today. Okay. Oh, perfect. All right. So talking about you know Iraq first deployment first thing right out of the gate um into my military career my service um that was deployment number one uh hitting into deployment probably number seven eight at this point in time into 15 you know 15 years later I've done uh, about four more with the 82nd airborne but did uh um, it was non-deployable. Luckily, I had a, a break in service where I kind of went over to the 101st Skydive team. Um, my last deployment with the 82nd Airborne was a, it was a rough one. I was over in Afghanistan. This is my fourth at this time. And, um, you know, prior to that, surprisingly, um, my unit, you know, my teammates, all that had, you know, luckily nothing catastrophic ever really happened to us. A couple, you know, Purple Hearts, a couple guys got wounded, but, you know, for the most part, we're fine. Um, this deployment, 2009, Argonaut River Valley, Afghanistan. Um, I was on a scout sniper team, and uh, one of my sniper partners, you know, was killed. And uh, he was just, like, blown up right in front of me, and uh, it was it, it, it was hard. It hit home. You realize you're not invisible, and a lot of things started setting in and that was at the tail end of the deployment too. So now we had done probably about a good 10 to 11 months over there and then uh, about to just rotate home too. And um, so that kind of happened, that hit me pretty hard. So that allowed me to come back and I was just, I was, <laughs> I don't know, it, it hit me hard and I didn't want to be at the 82nd Airborne anymore. I didn't even really want to kind of do the whole infantry lifestyle so I had to like just get out of there and I was able to call up uh, Ranger branches, you know, able to shift me over and I went to the 101st Airborne Division. And uh, so as soon as I PCS, went from 82nd to 101st, uh, I got over to that unit and then immediately they were deploying, right? And um, oh my so I was like- <laughs> Wait, how, how long were you home for it? Like how long does that 
take? You, you know, the dwell time, which is like your in-between deployment cycles. <laughs> Theoretically, they were supposed to have like basically a two for one or a three for one where you're one deployment on and like two years off or three years off. Right. Well, in the middle of global war on terror, you know, like they're, you know, and people had the ability to waive their dwell time. Um, a lot of people were doing that too. And I was, I, I was waiving my dwell time. So, you know, and which means you just sign and go back and at your own leisure if you want. And um, of course, a lot of guys end up wanting to do that. And yeah, that, that last rotation that hit me hard. And so I came back over that unit 101st was getting ready to rip back over into Afghanistan. And I just, you know, said, no, I'm, I'm going to stay back here. I had the, that right, you know, in my dwell time. And so they left and I stayed back and I ended up plugging into the 101st Airborne Division uh, parachute demonstration team, the skydive team. And, um, and I guess prior to that, I backed up, I did my first skydive right after that, um, at that deployment too, which of course, you know, I was kind of really lost, really sad, you know, lost my friend. And then, and of course doing all these death defying, you know, risk thrill seeking things. <laughs> and, um, but ironically I fell in love with skydiving. Yeah. And, um, so did 25 jumps, got my A license, went over to the 101st Airborne Division, heard about their skydive team. There's eight of them, like eight people on the skydive team out of like 30,000 people in the 101st Airborne Oh, Division. wow. And I, I don't know how the stars, moon, everything aligned, but I was able to get into that unit and um, got to jump, you know, all over the all over the world. It was a lot of fun. Got almost seven thousand skydives now. Um, a lot of fun. I fell in love with the sport of skydiving. It's incredible. And then at that point in time, went over to the spe uh, special forces, did several more combat tours and other um, training um, evolutions around the world. And uh, eventually it just, you, you was just rinse and repeat. You were just constantly deployed, come back home, get a little bit of time off with the family, a few weeks to a month, and then you're into a training regiment. So now you're training hard with your team stateside somewhere, whether that's on base at the local area or you're training with the team across the U.S. at different sites. So then you're still gone away from your family. Mm. And then, so you're, I was, you know, even the years that I was back home and not deployed, I would say, you know, six to eight months out of those years, I was gone somewhere else doing training. And um, that all was just catching up. So now we're coming up into about year 15, about seven combat deployments into it. And, um, you know, it's going on divorce number two. I mean, it was not going good with me and Nikki. And um, it was it was just rough. It, it was kind of like my kids didn't really fully know who I was at. I was missing their time. Me and Nikki were not in a good place at all. And um, so it was just it really hit me hard. I was like, man, what I'm about to, you know, this is again. Um, it it just caught up with me. Yeah. And eventually I had to make that decision, like to commit to my family, give them more time. And I left off active duty, went over to the National Guard, was kind of able to recommit, readjust at that point in time to um, giving more time to my family. And that's yeah. I just want to highlight that because that is huge. Um, especially because those guys are your family too. So it's almost like, do I step back from them? and save this family or vice versa. So that's, that was a big decision. Yeah, no, it was. And I'll, I'll give you the bigger answer is more time often than not a lot of guys choose the team lives. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, lots of divorces are super high within our careers and all that. And um, yeah, most people continue to, to, you know, pick the team life. And I did actually, I took the team life for years prior to that. I probably should have left way before 15. 
and I still continue to put my family, you know, bury them in the hole and gave it to the, you know, gave my all to the team. And, um, but no, in the end, it, it just, it was all coming crashing down and eventually I just kind of woke up and had that realization to, you know, try and commit to get back, you know, with my family and all that. So left off active duty, went into the National Guard and talking about, you know, your podcast being ever adaptive, the transition from active duty into the civilian life is it's something else. Touch on Can this. you, yeah, dive into yeah. that because there's not a lot of resources for you guys either. I mean, not really. To some degree, there's tons of organizations, tons of things out there that, you know, hey, service members, you know, could access this, but they don't know that really. Like they don't know where those resources at, how to locate them. When you when you leave off of active duty, you get, you know, you go to what's called this like ACAP. You're just this process to, you know, wind you out of service. And they'll go into resume building, they'll go into these basic classes to kind of prepare you for civilian life. Um, but I I hate to say it, but it, it's just, you know, it's the bare bone stuff that they give you. It doesn't really prep you in any way, shape, or form. And um, yeah, you still basically just kind of get thrust into that civilian world, which is uh, vastly different than kind of life in the military. So it hits you hard with kind of what's going on with um, with that transition piece, I guess. So it was, I, and I would say, I think a stat is like 90, 95% of people that ETS off, their transitions were horrible. I mean, everyone I talk to, everyone, my friends, everyone is, it's terrible. They have the worst time. I'm like, you know, there's been one or two people, I think, ever that were like, had the smoothest, easiest transition, never, no, nothing went wrong and just straight into a career they loved and everything. But other than that, that's, that's very rare. And uh, it was no different for me either. And so I transitioned out, started giving a little bit of time, like to my family and all that, but then I got, you know, we had to start figuring out how we were gonna do for money now. I didn't exactly have like a, a job directly lined up. And with the special forces background and, and everything, um, there was pretty enticing contracting jobs that opened up that paid really well. And uh, <laughs> hey, why not, right? You know, I had, a, I had a good year off break and then, you know, I'm talking with Nikki and everything. And I was just like, well, you know, we can, I can go give this a try. and. Went back right at it as a contractor and deployed, I think, another 12 times. Oh, wow. Wow. Before, uh, <laughs> oh, she is a uh, saint. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shout out to Nikki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was uh, a little bit different. I mean, um, deployments in the military were a little bit longer, anywhere from, you know, three, six-monthers, 12-monthers to, you know, contractor was spot on, you know, 60 days on, 60 days off. Okay. So... That wasn't too bad for Nikki. Actually, Nikki didn't have that much of a problem with it. But what did start to make it difficult over those rotations was, you know, I'm gone with the kids. So now the kids see me for a short period of time. When that 60 days off, I was able to give them my full time, you know, full time commitment. You know, we had fun for 60 days. I was making good money. So we would do fun activities, whatever. Right. Try and really commit to being a good dad at that point in time. But then that 60 days would end. And then here I am, you know, going right back overseas, right? So it's now by daddy again, but they're they're not of that age to fully comprehend and understand that length of time. Uh, whether I'm gone for a weekend or, or three months, it's like the same for them. Because they were, now you said they were seven and five right now, your yes. youngest. Oh, yeah. yeah. But at that point, they would have been oh, two. Two, three, yeah. four. Yeah. I mean, I just stopped right. contracting about a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. Um, I kind of fell into this uh, Transcend Foundation gig. But it was... Uh, yeah, it was a lot of deployments, a lot of being gone, 
the rhythm for Nikki, it wasn't too bad for me and her. We were able to kind of get some things going with me and her. We saw some marriage counseling. We saw, um, you know, lots of different uh, entities. I went to different foundations to get some help. Um, man, I really hate to say it. I'm, I'm kind of almost sugarcoating my, my transition out because it, it was not good. I mean, that initial transition out, I was, I was buried in the bottle. I was confused. I didn't know what I wanted to do that year off. I was trying to give some time to my family, but at the same time, I was just all over the place. You, you kind of lose your identity of like kind of who you are. You're like, you know, you go from, you know, being in a really tight, cohesive unit, you know, with missions and objectives that you know exactly what you need to tackle and how to do it and all the resources to be able to make that happen to then civilian job, you know, life where it's kind of a, a dog eat dog world out there. Lots of people are pretty selfish. They're all in it for themselves. There's yeah. not a strong, you know, team or bond out there when you're applying for these different jobs and starting to meet new people. And, um, and it's just, it's just completely different. So it's a huge culture shock, um, you know, making that transition and I didn't handle it well. I was, you know, I was, I was big into drugs, big into alcohol a lot. And honestly, that took me into a couple suicidal attempts at one point in time. And so I was, um, I was at a low spot during that transition. It was about 10 months after I got out. And, uh, yeah. And so I want to touch on how, your marriage was helpful in that transition time? Well, helpful in the sense that Nikki like, never gave up on Yeah, me, yeah. You know, I mean, and she should have. Yeah. Like five <laughs> times over probably, you know. And it was not easy for her. I mean, I made right. it super difficult, and I'm almost positive she probably had thoughts of, seriously you know and you know it was uh yeah she her support you know her um her ability to just kind of stick it out with me and everything was super supportive and actually she was still being there supporting me and then the one time that i was jobless in like in this kind of year off and trying to figure myself out and everything was when she was starting to do really well at a um at a weapons ammunition manufacturing company that she was working for and was rising up and doing really well. And I, I drove her into the ground with her job. In fact, I, I even got her fired, you know, because of how bad I was. And, and, you know, so they eventually let her go, which was ridiculously insane and unfortunate, but in the end for the best, because then let us come back up here to kind of restart our life. But it was, I mean, she just, she never gave up on me and I just made her life a living hell you know, for that time frame, but she stuck it out. We went to counseling sessions. We went to a couple of different foundations where I was able to get in, get different helps for PTS, for TBI. And, um, and she was just always there. She just always stayed by my side with all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And she draws some in. But still don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. You know, love her. Shout out, Nikki. Yes. Honestly, you're an angel. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. But, so... Let's go into some of the different, just you said that you got some help with PTS, with TBI, things yeah. like that. How did that kind of prompt you into connecting with Ernie and starting foundation? Yeah. So the found the different foundations I got like kind of help with was, um, you know, it was good. You know, I think I reached out to Green Beret Foundation, you know, they were doing some HBOT, hyperbaric chamber oxygen therapy and, um, 
reach out to All Secure Foundation, another one of our partners with Tom Satterley, Jen Satterley, uh, did some really good marriage counseling. That's actually the first time that I learned about secondary PTS, and which is the trauma, which is my primary PTS that I have from all the stuff that I've dealt with overseas. I bring that home to the home front, and now Nikki's dealing with me, you know, you know, out lashing at her for no damn reason, or I'm snapping at the kids because they they dropped a plate and I'm screaming at them for no damn reason, right? Yeah. And so these micro traumas start spilling off into the home front. And so Nikki starts developing like secondary PTS. The kids kind of get a little bit of secondary PTS. I mean, they were scared of like talking to daddy at one point in time, you know? And so all Secure Foundation was doing some really great stuff with um, secondary PTS, identifying that in marriage uh, counseling, couples uh, therapy and stuff. And um, so I had some good success with other foundations because the VA healthcare system, I mean, in, they try to do the best they can, but they're incredibly overwhelmed and not very helpful. Yeah. And so hence the rise of foundations and why foundations exist. So I was able to get some decent um, modalities and therapies done with these different foundations, which was helpful. Um, and then that actually eventually, you know, would take me later on into the uh, trajectory and, you know, career to where we're at with the Transcend Foundation. Um, as I'm thinking about it, one thing I would like to hit before we dive into why the Transcend Foundation, how did that really happen? When I was leaving off active duty um, service of 15 years, we had uh, a, a team of docs from SOCOM, you know, Care Coalition. They came down, they were running all our biomarkers, they were doing our sleep, they were testing our diets, um, they were going to the gym with us. I mean, it was like 30 days comprehensive. Team of docs was embedded, um, attached to my special forces team. And so it was yeah. just, just luck of the draw. It just happened to be my ODA, you know, no rhyme or reason. They just came in, they started doing all these studies to our team. And this was going on, uh, you know, all over the communities. Apparently they sent some teams out to the Navy SEALs, you know, a, whole, a bunch of other Green Beret teams here and there. And then my team was just one of them, right? So at that point in time, these docs, you know, they do all these blood work tests, they do all these sleep studies, everything, right? At the end of 30 days, they get done, they sit you down, like, hey, Brendan, all right, let's talk about, you know, your results. Okay, you know, so sit you down and they're, you know, you're pulled away and some docs talking to you and they're like, okay, you're, um, you have low testosterone, you have low vitamin D, your DHEA, you have thyroid issues, you're pre-hypertension, you're not sleeping very good. And, um, you know, so just kind of going on and on. And I'm like, you know, here I am, like, good God, you know, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm fine. I feel like, you know, I am. Familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, they drop all that news to you. And of course, I'm like, all right, doc, what, what can we do to get better? Yeah. And um, they're like, well, there's nothing we can do. We're just here to collect it. Yeah. We just tell you. Great. Okay. Awesome. So, you know. Basically, actually, you're fucked. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, eventually, you know, team docs leave or whatever. Of course, you're just like, damn, man, am I yeah. that, that off? And then you're just like, all right, man, we, you know, come on. It's competitive uh, space that we're in right now. So I'd be like, hey, hey Mike. Hey, how'd you do? Yeah. What are like, your numbers? Yeah, well, yeah. You, did. you know, and of course he's like, yeah, low testosterone, low this, low that. You're like, shit, okay. And then, you know, like, Ryan, hey, how'd you do? Yeah. You know, and you're like, yeah, I start talking to your buddies. Of course, we, you know, we start talking to each other. And then, yeah, you start to see this common theme yeah. about how much 
of our hormones are seriously messed up. Mm -hmm. But on the on the surface, you wouldn't know any better because you've got a bunch of, you know, just barrel-chested freedom fighters, you know, that are just willing to hard charging, willing to do anything, mm -hmm. right? And then you tell them something's wrong with them or you feel a little off. And of course, we're just like, ah, you know, rub some dirt on it or you right. know, take some Motrin, you know, drink water, take a knee face out. And, um, you know, you just you suck it up and drive on yeah. because that's the mentality that we have. And that's kind of the mentality that the, the military kind of builds within us. And there's, you know, a good reason for that, for very specific reasons. And to yeah. fight and win the nation's wars is one of them. Hence the whole rise of the military and the whole point we have one. Right. But what's interesting is that the underlying conditions that you're not really noticing, you don't know what's going on underneath the hood. And so a lot of us on the surface who are just rocking around feeling like we're good are just severely messed up hormonally underneath. Mm -hmm. So that was my first experience to kind of getting that 2018 when I was about to ETS off and about you know four and a half, five years ago. So that was my first intro to hormonal imbalances, I had no clue what any of that stuff meant. So after I got that information, 2018, um, it was an eye opener. And what did I do with that information? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I just went out with my life for more years, didn't do anything. And uh, more deployments, more contracting, more just, just all those Driving those hormones further into the yeah. guns. And, and, and you know what? What are the irony? Like, it, it, they did get better. And then eventually <laughs> I come across, uh, you know, Transcend and was able to eventually... Um, Meet Ernest Collins, the CEO and founder of Transcend Company, also a, a former veteran himself, mm -hmm. and uh, was able to, uh, you know, just had a meeting with him, and I uh, got introduced to him by a friend, had a meeting with him, and me and Ernie just, I mean, we hit it off day one. Mm -hmm. And we started, obviously, you know, and, the, and that's what happens. When a couple of veterans get together, ironically, you just, you just start shooting the shit, you just have, there's that, that type of bond that's there again when you leave into the civilian world and a lot of them don't have that it's just a little bit different but you get a couple of vets together and they just like roll yeah. yeah yeah they just roll right back into like old times you know and uh it was great so we really hit it off and ernie explained some of the, the struggles that he had i was talking about some of the struggles i had we both talked about how the help of different foundations different entities had kind of helped us um, with certain modalities and everything. And then, you know, more or less, as we continue to develop things out, you know, what Transcend Company was already doing, which is, you know, kind of identifying and addressing and optimizing people's hormones, um, was like, well, why don't we do something similar to that from a foundation standpoint? And so that first day, more or less, we kind of had the inception and, and the very rough build out of eventually what the Transcend Foundation would become. And that was a year and a half ago? Yeah. 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 So the regular transcend we started December 2020, and I was originally hired in that following July of 2021. And so foundation was. I want to say I had that meeting with Ernie. I think February March of 2022. Okay. And okay. then I mean it's a couple months later. I was yeah. on board and and we were just starting yep. to get the whole construct of the foundation up mm -hmm. and going, trying to get our 501c3 tax um, stamp and everything. So um, yeah, that's about when it kind of roughly started building out and forming. Yeah. And so go into what we're doing with the foundation now, yes. because there's so much awesome shit that we can offer and not enough people know. Yes. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
Absolutely. There's there's a lot of great things that we have within the foundation. There was a few things that through my experience, through Ernie's experience with different foundations that we wanted to make sure that we addressed and followed up on as well. Mm -hmm. um, because there's a, you know, there's about 43,000 veteran service organizations out there right now for VSOs helping veterans, right? 43,000 of them. And about 99% of those are what we call reactive, right? There's a there's something happened, there's a need, these foundations stood up to address that need, right? They're reactive. Mm -hmm. Transcend Foundation is no different. We do that as well. But what else separates us is that we didn't want to be part of just the 99 who's just addressing these needs post-service, post they're broken, and now we're trying to fix them and rebuild them back up. We wanted to go proactive. We wanted to go to the Department of Defense to start building those networks, building those connections to address veterans' hormonal health while they're in service. That's awesome. So, I mean, day one from the time that a military service member joins the military to be able to actually get them like a comprehensive blood work panel done on them annually or biannually if possible and just keep track of what that looks like for that service member over the life of his career because you'll be able to identify certain things within those biomarkers that you can see that starts to get off and then address them earlier on so they're not mm -hmm. compounding over the life of his yes. career and so now we're trying to be the one percent that's proactive to go towards you know trying to fix things within the department of defense while they're serving for their country right now and then to make them a lot less broken when they come out after so that was one of the biggest things we wanted to change with the uh the foundation so i'm like getting excited i i know <laughs> so and the other one too that i remember again all these entities there are a lot of them really great entities out there with the foundations but i remember when i was in those foundations you know the great patient care for the most part. I mean, people were all about helping you out, everything. And I kind of have this saying, it's like, when you're in, you're a guest. When you're out, you're a pest. So it's like, when you're in, you're, you're treated well. And then when you finally leave these entities, right? And you got you got a little bit of help from them or whatnot. And then you're, you're kind of, you know, maybe so-called back out on the streets or whatever. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're 100% fixed. I mean, I know a lot of guys that can easily relapse. You know, they did HBOT, you know, for, you know, a couple months, you know, and then they get back out and then, yeah, they could relapse. They could fall back into old habits, you know? And so me and Ernie were talking about this. And we were like, we wanted to have like a patient care follow-up. So we wanted to do like a um, basically a one month, a six month and a one year follow up after we identify, customize and optimize our patients hormones with the foundation. And then eventually, if, um, you know, they end up like kind of leaving, we balance them back out and through back, you know, so-called, you know, back out on the streets or whatever. We have that ability like, hey, let's follow back up with John, who's, you know, was with us for a while he's doing good but let's just check back in on him and see how he's doing and so kind of that patient care follow-up was another thing that was huge because i don't know of any other foundation that's following back up on people after they're out off you know their protocols or their foundation in general and um if there are awesome you know i love you guys keep doing what you're doing but that was another thing that we wanted to establish was a little bit of a patient care follow-up so then um i guess we'll talk about the mission statement of the yeah, what exactly do we do? And so Transcend Foundation, um, basically a mission statement is we identify and address um, the invisible wounds, right? And let's talk about them. What are they? Like PTS, post-traumatic stress, you know, disorder, but we say PTS, uh, TBI, uh, traumatic brain injury, and endocrine deficiencies, hormonal imbalances. And so 
I, I think more or less the first two has, you know, for the last 22, 23 years of global war on terror, GWAT, PTS, TBI is starting to get kind of dialed in. And there's a lot of talks, you know, things that are good modalities, things that are trying to address and fix those things to certain degrees. And, and they're definitely a lot bigger buzzwords. A lot more people are familiar with, you know, post-traumatic stress and TBI issues among service members. But the one thing that they're not as familiar with and the awareness piece, or they're just not knowing that it is that big a deal is the hormonal imbalances that are going on with them. And again, you don't know what you don't know. So until we take a, a look underneath the hood, the, the so-called invisible wounds, because you don't know what's going on and do that comprehensive blood work panel that we do here at the foundation for them, that's another thing that we start to, like I said, we identify the problem right there because the blood doesn't lie at the end of the day. And then we address it. We have the ability to balance them back out through hormone replacement therapies, through peptides, um, through other specific precision medications that we have to address the root cause base of those issues. Not just not just a symptom, not just another pill for an ill, but to actually uh, identify and address those issues. And um, so that's kind of the mission statement here at the Transcend Foundation. Yeah, not just anxiety and depression meds. Yeah. But and and that's something why I. It's a big reason why I wanted to get over to the foundation so very badly after working on the wellness side for so long. It's like, I, I got really, really good at what I did. And I'm like, man, like once you guys are ready for me over at the foundation, like I want to be there because it's yeah. something just so near and dear to my heart. My grandma's a veteran. Like I love just everything that you guys do, that mentality, that brotherhood, that just the sacrifice and knowing how big of a difference it makes experiencing it firsthand first and foremost and then helping thousands of patients that I have you know over on the wellness side and being able to do that and take it into the foundation aspect of something where like we're really making a difference in these people's lives I mean just the the short amount of time that I've been with the foundation thus far I've already talked to a handful of guys that are just like I'm doing great. Like, and like they feel it and you can hear it in their voice. And, you know, just like these conversations with these people where you have that one-on-one -on -one connection and follow up and, you know, okay, let's get, let's get recheck labs done. See where you're at after you've already been on your regimen mm -hmm. and see, wow, look at the difference between this and this and how are you feeling and the difference that they're feeling and everything like that. It's, it's so gratifying and just fulfilling. Yeah. And it's just, it's something that more people need to know about. Yeah. Yeah. So touching on that, let's say that there is a veteran that is listening and he wants help. How does he reach out to you guys? Like what, where does he even start? Yeah. So right now we are in a transition period right now. So the website is, you know, it's launched, starting to launch, but the, uh, the concept of bringing in an actual intake forms, not yet developed out yet. So, I mean, uh, for information and everything, you can go to www.transcendfoundation.com um, to kind of get the highlights to get what the foundation is actually doing. The So far, though, what we've kind of been doing has been word of mouth. It's been people that just kind of call us and then we kind of take a background and, and get a rough idea of where the patient's at, more or less. 
and then um, and then eventually you know bring them into the foundation, which is via mostly through me, and that's time consuming and it's it's hard talking to that many people at any given time that are coming in. So it'll be nice when we actually roll out the intake form. There'll be a full link for them to be able to in process and everything, um, and actually come through the foundation at that point in time. But other than that, so far the, the foundation's mostly just been a lot of people that we know we're struggling, word of mouth people and all that that we've been able to kind of rope them in, bring them over to the foundation. But a I'm hoping to have that intake form launched and live by, but you know, hopefully beginning of 2024 and ready to go, you know, live for everyone to be able to kind of, you know, that are struggling with their health and these issues. Um, hopefully by the beginning of the year. Yeah. And our biggest thing right now is just getting the word out more so that more people are aware, um, raising more funds so that we can help more people is huge. Right. Oh yeah. So touch on the mesh network. So, all right, um, Sarah's bringing that up because, you know, she understands kind of the structure of the foundation. So <laughs> yeah, let me this, what is the mesh Let me hit this real quick. So, Transcend Foundation is kind of has like a three-prong approach that I like to kind of say. The, the first prong is what we call identify, customize, and optimize. It's doing what Transcend Company has already successfully been doing for the last two years. Um, you know, again, identify the blood work, customize a set of protocols for those people. And then during that time, it's going to optimize their overall hormones, health, wellness, and uh, overall quality of life, right? That's prong number one. Prong number two is build out a mesh network. All right. The mesh network concept, which is more of a kind of a communications, um, you know, term, I guess. But, you know, the more, you know, towers in an area and everything, the stronger the signal is. So it's kind of the same concept. You know, the mesh network is more foundations, more other like-minded entities that are out there doing great causes for veterans and first responders. That's who we would love to, you know, work and partner with and to develop out a, a bigger, you know, um, cohesive, you know, care and unit to be able to actually give these these patients the best overall care. Transcend Foundation is is not a one stop shot, nor do we want it to be. You know, we're really good at a couple things. You know, mostly balancing out um, the hormones and everything for most service members. Um, but we don't address everything, and there's a lot of other good entities out there that do address those things. So partnering with other entities that are out there right now is been huge for us to be able to continue to help and get different modalities for healing for these veterans and first responders. And that gives us the ability to, once we do what we do on our end, the patient comes through, we, you know, identify, customize, and optimize their overall quality of life. Hopefully, if there's still some other issues and they need some talk therapy, or maybe it's, um, you know, a, a dog, canine, you know, program for dogs or horse therapy, or, you know, just linking up with other veterans and other communities. We're partnering with lots of other people out there that are doing really good modalities and needs. And then we'll be able to kind of move them through our mesh network system and get them further help to continue to overall, you know, build their, their quality of life and just kind of help them and establish that, you know, for them. I love that. So yeah. and what's the third prong? Oh, good question. Third <laughs> prong is it's all research driven, data driven, right? So we have to, again, it takes me back to the SOCOM care doctors, right? They collected all that information on us, but what exactly happened with that information? Like, and they got it somewhere, right? And I'd imagine, you know, hopefully, you know, they got it. They realize our hormones are not doing that great as special operations guys. 
But in five years since then, and I'm still currently in, I don't see much change going on with that. So what do they do with that data? What's going on? So what we need to do then is collect our own data, um, start getting all the data on veterans that have come out. You know, what are their hormonal health looking like for the most part? What are the, the biggest ones that we're constantly seeing? Well, to some degree, we already have the answer to that we see a lot of low testosterone going on with most you know, service members, most male service members for that. Um, lots of vitamin D issues, you know? So um, is that really a surprise? No, I mean, when you're going over to war, when you're, your mind is in a constant fight or flight mode, when you're doing reverse cycles, you're doing missions at night, you're sleeping during the day, you know, you're throwing your circadian rhythm off, clearly you're not getting vitamin D and you're just back and forth, you know, throwing everything off. Of course, your hormones are just going to compound and get worse over time, you know? And um, so those are some of the bigger heavy hitters that we're seeing, but we need to continue to still collect that data. We're building out a few initiatives right now to where we actually have working with some different firefighters, um, different um, law enforcement entities right now, and then a few different uh, military units that we're actually working with to get all these uh, current tests on these guys right now with where they're at with their overall hormonal health and um, free of charge to them. And so we're just kind of collecting that data. And then eventually that takes us back to being that 1% proactive where we need to collect all that data, give it to the Department of Defense and basically be like, all right, what, what are we going to do about this yeah. now? And um, so that's kind of the third prong is we have to collect the data. We have to we have to make a change and we have to do something with it and about it. So That's awesome. Yeah. What would you say to a vet that is listening and they're like, but I'm fine. And I'm thinking, okay, my husband is a vet and he's going to listen to this and he'll be like, I'm fine. Yeah. But that's not me. Yeah. What would you say to that guy or girl? Yeah. Uh, first off, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so if you're feeling fine, great, you know, and that's, that's half the battle, right? If that's really the case and they're being honest with themselves, but hopefully if they are fine, that's great. But if not, it does not hurt you at all to go get a, you know, a comprehensive blood work panel, you know, from, you know, whether it's Transcend or, or any company for that matter, go out, get a, get a dive into what's going on with your hormonal health and try and, and, and take ownership of your health, you know, invest in your health and your health will invest in you. Mm -hmm. And so being able to kind of actually be more proactive of that is I think the first thing that you have to do, because if you're just assuming, yeah, you know, I'm still in my mid thirties, you know, late twenties or even early forties, you're like, yeah, things are still good. But do, do you really know that? Like have the confidence, go get that, you know, checked out. And, um, and that's the biggest thing is you assume that, you know, if there's something wrong and you're, if you're a service member, you're still in, oh, the military will probably identify or address it at some point in time. Or if you're out and you're just, you're not sure, you're like, yeah, I don't know, healthcare will, you know, they'll, they'll let me know if something's wrong eventually, like, it won't. <laughs> it's still bare bones, you know, they're really not doing any type of comprehensive panels on that. So just go get a check and get that peace of mind. And if you, if you really are fine, you'll have that peace of mind at the end of the day with those labs and you'll be good to go. But if not, you identify something right there. Now you have the ability to address it, or at least you have the awareness of like, oh, this could be what's wrong with me. So yeah. take your take your health back in your own hands. You have to be cognizant of that and try and, and be a little more proactive and do something about it. And that goes for everyone. I mean, that's, you know, working on the patient side for so long, it goes for everyone. Everyone's like, oh, I don't like doctors or, oh, I went to my doctor and they pull labs and they, they didn't call me. So I, I must be fine. And it's like, they're running, like you said, the most bare bones of markers, stuff that they can get covered. 
And it really doesn't give you a full picture of anything. And then, you know, but you say, oh, I'm struggling with anxiety or depression or anything like that. And they have no issue giving you meds for this without actually addressing any root causes or taking a further dive into why. And most of the time it's because they're ignorant to it and they don't know. They truly don't know, A, how different life stressors can impact and downregulate our endocrine system and B, how to treat it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I, I love this company so much to begin with, because we have helped so many people on that front and then just furthering it within the foundation. It's just, it's, it's game changing. And really it starts with just like you said, taking your health into your own hands, being your own advocate and finding out, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And until you know and find out, yeah, really, truly everything is fine. Or, wow, there's a lot of things that really aren't optimized. You know, they're downregulated from X, Y, Z. And you don't know that until you actually figure it out. Your blood work doesn't lie. And how do you fix it? And how do you go about actually getting to the root cause of optimizing all of that to improve overall quality of life? Yeah. You know, one of the, uh, you know, quotes that we kind of have here um, at the the company and within the foundation is that normal is not optimal. Yeah. All right. And so with that being said, talking about kind of Western medicine, when I went initially to the VA and I had my, you know, different hormones actually checked and I specifically wanted testosterone checked, which you have to ask, right? They'll be like, oh yeah. They'll be like, oh no, you don't need your testosterone. You're in your mid thirties. You're good. Like you have a beard. Yeah. Oh yeah. They'll say that you have a beard. Your testosterone's fine. Yeah. So, so anyways, I finally get it checked. Right. And then, you know, the spread range roughly, like it varies with different test companies and all that. But so let's say that spread range of testosterone, you have 300 to a thousand, right? You have that orange spread right there. Well, guess what? My labs came back and I was 310. So of course I'm not knowing you're a ton normal. about, you're in the normal yeah, range. I'm not knowing a ton about that. So I get the doctor that comes back and it's like, Hey, Brennan, good news. Your, your, your labs came back. Everything's normal. <laughs> right. And at, at 310. And of course, you know, and I'm, you know, 30, 37 and I'm just like, well, why does everything uh, still feel a little bit off? But okay, I guess that's good news, right? Yeah. Everything's normal. But that doesn't mean it's optimal for right. me and where I'm at when, you know, my place and space and time within my life right now. And so, yeah, you have to take a look at that too. I mean, they they operate on such a widespread that it doesn't really ever dial in specifically to that patient. And that's something that's incredible with Transcend and what we do here is that we really dial in on that for them and we really optimize that individual patient's, you know, lifestyle and hormones and everything to their their specific life. And so that's what's incredible about this company. Yeah, I agree. I fully agree. It's amazing. Yeah. It's it's truly the best. And like and hearing just the feedback and like I said, even firsthand experiencing like just the difference in going from like normal or even low to being at an optimized level with all of your hormones, athlete, non-athlete, veteran, non-veteran, you know, young, old, wherever you are, like there is, when I was on the wellness side, it was so few and far between that I would look at, I was dealing with so many patients over there. So few and far between when I'd be like, wow, your blood work baseline looks really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very minimal. Like very, like I'm talking maybe one out of 40. Like it's very minimal. 
And there's like something, there's something that like our hormones play into so many different things. And I covered a lot of this on our bloodwork podcast, yeah. right? But, you know, diving into your mood, your sleep, your, your stress, your libido, just like so many different areas that your hormones can play into. And when you have these veterans that are under constant states of pressure, that's just driving all of that into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Our normal world is right. driving our hormones right. to the ground and then you add exactly. what they're doing. Yeah. 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 So it's really... I'm so proud to be like a part of it and I'm grateful to you for bringing me on board. Um, it's something that is very special to me and I just can't wait to keep growing it and going from there. Um, why don't you touch on how people can donate, spread the word, things like that, how they can check out the website up until it's fully relaunched. We have a lot going on on the back end with all of that. Um, but really just building this out getting more funding, you know, growing the mesh network, things like that. Touch on that and then we can wrap up. Absolutely. So uh, donating first and foremost, uh, please go to www.transcendfoundation.com. There's a donate button right there that you can hit. Um, yeah, you can do a one-time offer or eventually make it um, reoccurring monthly, whatever you, uh, your heart desires. It is, it's a 501c3, so it's all tax write-offs. Uh, please go there, please donate. Um, here's another unique thing that really does separate us again from maybe other foundations is that 100% of the donations that come into this foundation go right back to the veterans and first responders. There's no overhead cost going on with us. All of our you know, salaries here at the foundation, everything is paid for through the company. So any money that we make that we bring in through donations goes right back to those veterans and first responders. So that's the, um, that's the, the probably the quickest and easiest way most people can easily donate is right there online. Um, but of course you can mail in checks if you would like, but the other thing too is the awareness piece. Again, I, I can't say this enough. You, you don't know what you don't know you know, please go get, you know, a comprehensive blood work panel somewhere, take a look at your health, find out what's going on. And that has been the biggest thing for us as we continue to grow within the foundation. If we've been doing more initiatives, more projects, collecting this data, we are finding out more and more every time that, you know, a lot of service members are just, you know, they're, they're, they're suboptimal conditions where their hormonal health is. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that we're addressing. So we're creating those awareness, those projects um, to be able to, to work with those entities and to get that awareness out there to just at least be able to do something about it, whether they take the initiative themselves and they're in the military and they just go to their military doctors and get it done. Or if they have to take it out of their hands, go to a, you know, private copay or something, please go get it checked out. And um, yeah, no, that's one of the biggest things for, for us right now. Yeah. And we'll put all of that in the show notes. Yeah. So if you want to donate, it'll all be down in the show notes. Um, where can they connect with you if they want to connect with you? Can they connect with you? <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, uh, no, absolutely. My, my email is, uh, you know, just my first name, Brendan at transcendcompany.com. So, it, you know, again, that's another way to reach out. I know we said we don't have that intake form up and going yet live on the website. So, I mean, if there's any veterans that are out there, first responders that are out there as well that are, are struggling, um, you know, with these so-called invisible wounds, uh, please email me, reach out, brendan at transcendcompany.com. And um, what was your second question? You had another one? The other one. Oh, if you wanted them to even, <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, no, <laughs> or you can reach out to me too. Um, my company email Sarah Transcend Company as well, and yeah. we're in constant touch. So 
working right alongside each other to just grow this thing and spread more awareness and get the word out and help more people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've done, you know, so much. And, and again, both myself, Ernie, we're veterans. So we, you know, kind of come from that military background. So the foundation standing this up, you know, of course, we wanted to give back to a lot of veterans, but both of our family members, we have a lot of family in first responder, you know, law enforcement careers. Uh, so we also wanted to be able to give back to law enforcement, firefighters, EMS, those people that put so much on the line mm -hmm. with generally very little pay and, you know, not as much respect with what goes into that as well. Um, so to be able to try and give back to those communities, you know, at the zero cost of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on, being our very first in-person guest. I know. Becky's in person too. Everyone's in Michigan. It's great. <laughs> but um, that'll be it. You guys can catch us next week for another episode. And thanks for joining us.